You're listening to Two Chunks and a Hunk. Movie musings for mostly everybody. Welcome to Two Chunks and a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders, and this week I am your chunk. I'm Doge. Okay, so what am I doing? Oh, I'm hunking this guy. No, he's hunking me. <laughs> Gross. And I'm Carter. <laughs> I'm Carter, and we all need mirrors to remind ourselves who we are. I'm no chunk. That is the like n- the Nolanist dialogue. We yeah. all need mirrors to remind us who Time we are. Time and mirrors, you know? Yes. Yep. That would be his soap opera title. Time and mirrors. <laughs> but so true, though. We all do need mirrors to remind us who we are. And the person I need a reminder for right now is Doge. Because you said the word hunk. Tell and I say, why? Tell it me feels this. like a little bit of a setup because I will let you all know, all you who are listening, that before we started recording, there the phrase... I'll just go ahead and zing you on air was thrown around <laughs> in relation to my hunktitude. Yeah. Um, now go ahead. So knowing, knowing full well that I'm walking into a trap, I'm the hunk because I've discovered a new drink at Sonic. And quarantine has taken its toll on all of us in different ways. And that's where I'm at right now is that my new Sonic drink is the best thing that's happening to me. <laughs> and you're super close to a Sonic, yeah? My dog, I walk to Sonic. That's amazing. Like a pioneer. It's amazing. Uh, like a pioneer. <laughs> but yeah, so this drink is uh, is uh, Coke Zero mm-hmm. with okay. cherry and with lime. And I was under the impression until right before we started recording that that means it's a cherry limeade with Coke Zero instead of Sprite. But I'm now understanding that maybe my, my <laughs> assumptions about cherry limeade have been wrong, and they've been playing in reverse in my mind the whole time, like Memento. Look, I'm not saying that Cherry Limeade can't involve Sprite if you want it to, much like anything can involve Sprite if you believe hard enough, but Limeade, much like Lemonade, is its own substance, and a Cherry Limeade is just Limeade with Cherry in it. So when you get a Cherry Limeade at Sonic, is it not carbonated? It can be. If it's carbonated, then what is it? What's the carb? What's the bubbles? I would assume. I would assume it's just soda water, like the plain soda water, like they're gonna put in, like essentially a a Lacroix. So I'm looking at recipes because I too thought that Sprite or some form of lemon lime soda is in a cherry limeade. Well, that would be a lemon limeade. Is lime? I think limeade is not just lemon juice, sugar, and water because that is 
unconsciousable to me. Unconsciousable. Limeade is a lime-flavored drink sweetened with sugar. A typical method is to juice limes and combine the juice with sugar. Did, is that on your blog, though? Or are you but reading that's it just from jordanwonders.blogspot.com? No, that's, that's on the definition of limeade. On your blog? Is that one of your blog titles? Okay, fine. It's my blog. Lime, All right, limeade, agree to disagree. Limeadeparade.blogspot.com. <laughs> I hate when people end it with that because like no one has agreed to anything. It's like, Carter, All right, agree, agree to Carter, disagree. please tell me the results of your research. Well, it's a 50-50 dosh. Uh, some people, they're just putting in club soda along with sugar and lime. Some people with their recipes are putting in uh, a lemon-lime soda and squeezing lime as well into it. Okay. So And then doing a little it, bit of cherry. It Yeah, it goes two different ways. So really, honestly, we just need to call the hedgehog himself and ask what he does <laughs> at his restaurant. Yeah, I'll get him on the horn. Hold on. Ring, are you ring. Gonna, oh, you're going to do a Sonic voice? Ring, ring. Oh, what's up, guys? It's me, Sonic. I just finished ru- running so fast and eating chili dogs. What's up? Sonic, Sonic what do you put in your cherry limeades? Well, limeade is its own substance, much like lemonade. It combines lime juice, water, and sugar to make a delicious beverage. When cherry's involved, it becomes a cherry limeade. Jordan was right. That dude's dope. Did you hear him run? He ran all the way to my Sonic, Sonic, what's a cherry limeade? Well, it's about a 50-50 split. You could also use Sprite for it. You could do whatever you want. Anything could be a cherry limeade, if it, unless it's a chili dog. Thanks, Sonic. You just ran out of this room. He's back here where I am, and Sonic's over my shoulder. Hey, Sonic, did you have something else to say? The the whole idea that you could just add Sprite to things is absolutely true. You could put Sprite on anything. It's your world. You do it. But also, you're wrong. All right, bye, Sonic. Hold up, Jordan. I'll be right back. (laughs) Hey, Carter. Here's your breakfast tacos. Hey, thanks, Sonic. Okay, Sonic's in my studio now, and Sonic says, Hey guys, this is getting really old. You should start talking about the movie. Thanks, Sonic. Thanks, Sonic. Bye, Sonic. (laughs) Hey, it did just occur to me that if Sonic were in this meat uh, universe, this meat plane. The meat universe. It's the shared universe (laughs) that all of our lives are part of. He... Would make the best food delivery service. That's You're amazing. That was a thing that, that was an occurrence to you just now? Yeah. Or to the person that used that for the bit? No. The, when you did it, I was like, oh, man. Oh, is, oh, I see. I see. That is Sonic's. Your eyes have been opened. Right. He'd be good at it. Yeah. He would be incredible. He might need to be the only employee right. in that workforce. Depending on how many workers. sound. Because if he gets too many, <laughs> he's got places to go. Uh, if. <laughs> If he gets too many orders, though, it's going to sort of me- level out to just be normal speed to get your food again, I think. Probably. I think Probably. the thought I want to leave us with is, what if Sonic was one of us? And now we could talk about Memento, please. <laughs> Wait, you said it too early. I mean, we could talk about something else. We're doing this podcast episode backwards. Let's rate it now. And then, <laughs> actually, that would have been a good idea. That is interesting. But uh, we are too dumb to think of that ahead of time. Hey, we are beginning our series that I am deeply excited for, our Nolan series. And that'll be where the, the horn goes. And uh, <laughs> we're going through the inscrutable movies of Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Beginning with the first, the only, the movie known as Memento. Memento. And before we talk about it, I think the only possible way to understand the timeline funkiness 
is for Doge to deliver unto us a synopsis. This week's synopsis comes to us courtesy of IMDB user GabB270 at this person's email address. GabB270 writes, A memory inside a memory. Memento is a complicated, head-spinning adventure. Leonard is determined to avenge his wife's murder. However, unable to remember anything that happens day-to-day due to a condition he sustained, short-term memory loss, he has to write himself note after note that still don't mean anything after he falls asleep. The film goes back in time to reveal each little bit of the puzzle as he tries to find out the person who killed his wife and makes the audience feel just as confused as he is. The narrative closely follows a phone call Pierce has, in which he talks about Sammy Jankis, a former client of his who believed he had the same condition. The film takes an unexpected twist as the two characters have a lot more in common than is initially put across. Okay, so I want to start by saying we talked before we started this series um, about something, and I want to have a little discussion right now at the beginning of the series. And that is... It's not Sonic again. <clears throat> it's not Sonic. We're Sonic. done with Sonic. No, no, no. Um, man, it was really tempting to bring Sonic back. Uh, <laughs> there is... And, and I want to be very respectful here because I know there are people that love Christopher Nolan because of how confusing his movies can be. And I think that can be true. And I think that's one of his strengths is really well thought out plots. But I think... And it started for me with Inception, noticing that people like put... Christopher Nolan movies on this pedestal of like inscrutability and like, sure, like only smart people get this. And to me, that takes away, like, that is taking credit away where credit is due from Christopher Nolan, like, and Jonathan Nolan. Yeah. But like, saying that these movies are like, you you have to be smart to understand it. I don't think so. I think they are written in such a way, they are written so smartly that they're easily understandable and digestible and they're they are they heady sometimes sure and yeah. are they can is it confusing yeah in the middle i think but but by the time his movies close i feel like he has typically put a pretty nice bow on it and maybe some stuff's left up for interpretation but i don't think he ever is like and now you have to figure out what happened in this movie yeah you know i think and, they're written in such a way that it makes the audience feel brilliant Right. And I yeah. think that's the brilliance of his writing and Jonathan's writing is that by the time you finish watching this, I feel like I've just solved a puzzle because right. I understood what happened. You know what I mean? Right. And I felt that way the first time I saw Inception, the first time I saw any of these other Nolan movies that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks is like you get to the end of it and you go, oh, my gosh, I totally figured that out. I'm pretty smart, yeah. I guess. And I think that's why people go, you have to be smart to understand Nolan's movies. because, right. yeah. And that's the intended result. Right. Well, and I think there's I think there's a big influence, too, because this has always been his MO, right? The first sure. two weeks of this series, we're doing uh, Memento and Insomnia. I think of the entire series, those are the only two movies that were literally not blockbusters. Like, that were yes. not movies that a massive amount of people go see. And I think for the yes. longest time, movies that make you think like this are more often the Sundance Film Festival independent kind of movie, right? And so uh, it almost feels like there becomes this Venn diagram of all the people that really only ever go see blockbusters deciding to say, you know what? We're just as smart as y'all. You know, I think right, and, and that's right. not trying to degrade anybody. Like, I totally get that. But I think a lot of people's first... Uh, or consistent exposure to just kind of the mind-bending stuff outside of things that are like 
meant to be that. I'm just saying I feel more eyes are seeing that kind of movie because of Christopher Nolan. Well, and and, and then it, now yep. they get to talk about it. I say this as a pretty big David Fincher fan in general, but I think Fight Club does the same thing for a lot of people. I know a ton a of year people before that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know a ton of people who are really into movies now whose first foray into movies that were like kind of mind bendy and a little crazy and, and quote unquote difficult to understand was fight club. Like I, I have yeah. the number of conversations I've had with people who have just seen fight club and are like, I like didn't even know that movies were that way. Yeah. Um, and Fincher, yeah. Fincher is pretty consistent with that. Right. Uh, M night Shyamalan is pretty consistent with that, but in a completely different way. Right. It's kind of just leading you along and then twist. Yeah. At some Sh- Shyamalan point. feels more like it's, all about the twist. Whereas I feel like, especially Nolan, but Fincher too, but especially Nolan, like the twist is baked in, in a way to where by the time it happens, you're like, well, of course, mm-hmm. well, of course, you know, it, it's almost, it yeah. never feels it, left field with, with Nolan. It's like his muse is time itself. For like, real. That's, that's really all he's ever bending. Uh, when you really think about it, most yeah. of the time when he's being twisty is the concept of, time. Maybe we don't get that as much in prestige when we get there, but everything else feels like it hits that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So I think we talked about it a little bit. We're going into this with the assumption that everybody that has listened or or is listening to this has watched Memento already. So I don't feel the need to try and straighten out a linear march through the story of this movie, especially with the way that it's presented. But It's just impossible. There was like 113 different Time changes, I think, right, in this movie. Right. It's just wild. And so I'm going to start us with the actual movie discussion by saying my super pump so that we can talk about this for a little bit, because I think it's important. And my super pump is the presentation of this movie. The way that it's presented to us is... Hey, me too. Yeah. I mean... I mean, it, does editing count as that? Right. Because I mean, mine specifically is editing. Well, let's, let's find out if editing counts, because what I mean is I have never seen a movie that does this, like, first, last, second... F- second to last, third, third to last, four. You know, I've never watched a movie that ends in the middle of the linear story before like this. And I don't know that there will be another one because it will immediately feel like a ripoff of Memento. It feels like he planted his flag in something that hadn't been done and said, it's mine now. And it it holds up and it works really well here. Um, and it, what should be a jumbled, confusing mess by the end just congeals so well. And uh, I, I honestly believe that only Nolan could have done this and uh, it just works and it's really interesting. And in fact, the story is good, but what makes this movie great is the way that the story is told, I think. Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking of, I was like, I feel like I had a feeling like this recently to where some entity just burst on the scene immediately and said, this is mine and just kept it. And I think talking about the Pixar series, as soon as, you know, their very first big thing is Toy Story. And you're like, oh my God. You right. know, like the fact that this, his his first really, uh, uh, not really big, we're not, we're not there quite yet, but first pretty big recognized film, Oscar nominated film is yeah. Memento, uh, is wild. He is very talented in that way. But I think, I think this movie doesn't happen without the post-production stuff. Like this feels so heavily weighted on what happens after we're done filming and the editing process. Like he has made, I love when things outside of actors manifest as characters to me. Uh, Sometimes that can happen with a soundtrack. Um, And in this case, it happened with the editing suite. I think uh, the, the timing of this movie in itself is just like very, very smart. 
And, yeah. and yeah, that's my super pump. I just don't think it's the same. You know, it's funny on, on like the DVD version of this, um, you can watch it in chronological order, but I've order never done unlock, that. In order to unlock that version, you have to pass all these puzzles that Nolan created. That's cool. Um, which is just so so fun. But yeah. I yeah, think I'd like to try and watch pump. it straightened out. Yeah, I think so too. I think that'd be interesting. I think it's still a good movie that way. Yeah, but it's I've not, heard it still it's holds up really well. I'm sure it yeah. does. Um, but y- the thing you miss out on straightened out is the shock of the moments like, um, okay, what am I doing? I'm chasing this guy. Nope, he's yeah. chasing me. Um, which, which is totally, you know, I think at that point it's a different movie where we're just frustrated with the memory loss and like wanting him to know what's happening versus us also wanting to know what's happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I would definitely be interested in that. I think you also get, because of this presentation, you get, um, what is probably my favorite moment in this movie, um, of Lenny, um, getting to his motel room after the shootout and, uh, or the chase and going into his bathroom, finding the glass bottle, sitting down on the toilet, waiting for the guy to come back into the room. And then you watch him be like, what am I doing here? Huh. You yeah, watch that shower moment flip. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, and you, and we, because we've already seen what happens after we know he's about to go get in the shower. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh no, you need to stay and be ready to fight. And, and I, yeah. Yeah, it's a unique tension that I don't know I've ever felt in a movie before because I've, I've never been presented a movie in this way besides this. Doja, expound a little bit on on why. Is there anything we haven't hit on yet? I know this was a super duper pump for the three of us. Yeah, I think for it's just I've I think Jordan covered it when he said it. There's never been another movie presented in this way, and I don't know that there ever will be. Um, but it's the the uniquity of this to me that makes it stand out. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think it. I mean, we've all already said it. I think it's a great story, and it's it's fascinating, and it's super creative and clever. Watching it completely front to back but i think chopping it up in this way is just another like that wasn't necessary you know what i mean like that's extra thoughtfulness like yeah you've made a great cupcake but somehow the icing and the sprinkles are also even better than the cake itself yeah which may reveal a lot about what i what i prefer in cupcakes i like (laughs) icing i'm an icing boy for sure see i'm a cake boy i uh i think thoughtful i think that's the right word and, and I think we're going to bring up that word in a lot of Christopher Nolan movies that we review is, is the thoughtfulness behind them. But yeah. frequently it seems like it would be easy to accidentally miscategorize Christopher Nolan's movies as excessive. But my my argument would be I don't think there's ever anything in his movies that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. And with this editing, it's an example of the movie would exist fine without it, but it is not. It is not memento if it's not presented this way. Yeah. We talk about it being in a category of its own. It's like you don't get to call this a time travel movie. Right. But it sure does feel like one. It's like we're like the it, ones it, time traveling. Right, right. Yeah. It's it's, it's so like time is traveling through me. Wow. And sometimes you need a mirror to remind yourself who you are. You got to see that, you know? That's sometimes it. That's, you need what, a mirror. that's what happens. So when we... When we get the end, what, what do you remember? This wasn't anybody's first time watching this, was it? Hey, oh, this was my first time watching this. Oh. Was it really? I don't know how I just, this is one of those that it's like, yeah, I know I need to watch that. Yeah, I know I need to watch that. I just wow. I didn't watch it when it came out. And then it's been one of those where it's like, 
yeah, I know I need to watch that. Like every time. That, okay. You know, I am somebody's talked about it. Distinctly interested in what you have to say about this movie now, knowing that this is your first time. Cause I was thinking, I wish I could erase my memory and watch it for the first time. So I knew, I knew like, I guess I knew the conceit of the movie. Right. Uh, I knew that it was like, uh, for like last scene, first scene, second to last second scene. Like I knew that it kind of worked and ended in the middle of the movie. Um, and I knew the conceit of tattoos and notes and all of that stuff. Um, right. But I guess I didn't know the actual content of the story. Um, and I I didn't... I think the most interesting thing that this does is uh, we don't learn that Lenny's an unreliable narrator until the middle chronologically, but until like the last scene of the story. Right. We don't learn that he's a, an unreliable narrator. And so it like the brilliance of of that ending, casting doubt on the things that we've seen him do um whatever timeline we're in like up to that point right i think to me that was the thing that that pushed it past because i i I mean i will admit i was definitely looking forward to watching it but there was a little bit of like man i already know like i already know the conceit i already know that it's out of order and like i already know that he has no short-term memory and has to write notes and tattoos and i thought that was the twist i thought we were going to get to the end of the movie and figure out oh my gosh he doesn't know what's happening but that's very clear all the way through Right. The twist is the like the the fact that he uh, leaves himself a false clue so that he kills Teddy out of revenge. Right. Uh, I, I loved it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I feel like that's probably no surprise to you guys because y'all both know my taste in movies. But right. This was a very very enjoyable watch for me for my first time. Yeah. So when you when you watch it and you see the movie start with Lenny killing Teddy, the whole time through, how are you feeling about Teddy? Uh. I I honestly found it a little bit a little bit difficult to engage with for about the first third of the movie uh, because I you see the picture that says Teddy's the one kill him don't believe his lies and I saw him do it at the beginning and I was like okay great he got him so this is a happy ending we're gonna figure out how he like how he solved the case basically right uh, and then as you move further through you go oh no maybe he didn't and then oh maybe Carrie Ann Moss is like actually really looking out for him. Oh no, maybe she's terrible. Oh no, maybe Teddy's terrible, and it's just like layer right. on layer. Yeah, yeah. Do you? Um, so the thing that I think about with this movie a lot is the the word airtight. It yeah. feels airtight to me, and one of those things is the theme of trying to learn by rep- repetition and failing. You know, he tells the Sammy Jenkins story um, about you know trying to learn over and over again, doing the same actions. You know, he should have he should have known by then that that one would shock him even if it wasn't, you know, yeah. apparent to him why he knew that and he just didn't do it. Um, and it, I think it's supposed to be sort of the same thing with going and, and quote unquote killing John G over and over and over and over yeah. again that he and should eventually learn that he's gone. I don't know why we believe him, but I certainly believe Lenny when he said, but I'm different. I can learn through repetition. Totally. Uh, and it just, to me, it's even metatextually, it's so interesting on like, how audiences, when you engage with a movie, you are instantly willing to believe the protagonist. Right. Like no matter what, you go in willing to engage and willing to put yourself in the protagonist's shoes and willing to be on the protagonist's team. And I think that's why even there's so much discussion around the end of this movie when Teddy's like, no, you're like, Sammy Jenkins didn't have a wife. You killed your wife. Like all of that stuff. Yeah. And yeah. how like Sammy Jenkins was faking it. You were his insurance yes. adjuster. You're the one with the problem here. Like, exactly. Yeah. And like how we as an audience are like, unwilling to believe that almost and it's like well why he's the only source the only possible source of objective information in that scene 
but yet we're still willing to side with our protagonist simply because he's the protagonist. Right. And, yeah. and especially knowing Does that- Does he in the movie the protagonist, though? Like, is he- yeah, the protagonist. Okay, he's not. So. He's not a hero, say. but he's certainly our protagonist. Yeah, yeah. I think so we you can't say even he's say he's the center of the narrative, right? Like yeah. he's the driving force behind the narrative that we're seeing. I mean, people are manipulating him, but we're seeing the world through his eyes. Is what's the antagonist in this movie? Uh, I think the antagonist would probably be like this is so you know like in in high school English class you've got like man versus nature, man versus man conflict like that type of stuff. I think mm-hmm. this would probably slot into man versus himself conflict. Yeah, like the antagonist so would yeah. be his own so inability to remember. But that's what's yeah, so unique, both. right? Like you're talking about because we spend most of the movie believing that the antagonist is probably Teddy pulling exactly. strings on a man who can't remember, and then we and realize it is that a little bit it. It is a little bit, but it's also Lenny pulling his own strings intentionally. Yes. Like, yep. lying to himself. Like, the, chronologically, the middle of the story is when the antagonistic force shifts. Right. Because up until halfway through the story, we've seen... Like, I, I think it's it would be fascinating to watch this in order because we get to the halfway point and we just feel sorry for Lenny that he's been manipulated by these people. Yeah. That they're just getting him to do his dirty work, to do their dirty work because he's essentially a blank slate and he's a, a killer for hire. Right. And they don't have to pay him anything. Right. Um, and then I think if we're watching it chronologically, we feel great about the moment that he leaves himself a false clue because it's like, yes, finally, Lenny's revenge. Uh, but it's just the way that it's presented, it's so interesting how those same events can feel way more tragic than triumphant. Yeah. Do you feel like if we watch it in order... Guy Pierce's performance is more impressive. Are, so, are you asking because you didn't think he was impressive? No, I think okay. he's great. Okay, I, I think he was good for the role. I think this is another role that you know we talked about a role recently where it just doesn't need to be a super A list type person. You right. know, and I saw names like yeah. Brad Pitt and stuff was right. considered for this role. I think he would have done great, but I don't think he would want to do that a year after doing Fight Club. I was about you know, to say, so, like, Brad Pitt or Ed Norton around this time would have been all over this, but they just did it a year before, They you just know? did it, yeah. And, yeah. you know, Brad Pitt was also doing, like, 12 Monkeys, like, uh, yeah. that, that kind of stuff all the time. So, uh, yeah, I think it was still impressive, but I've, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about the process. You know, this movie took 25 days to make, and, you know, I wish I knew what order they filmed things. I don't think I was able to find anything in that. But it's like, you have to... Like this felt like such an interesting role. Like there's a lot of pressure on specifically Guy Pierce, like to be able yes. to to come in and just like we knew after a while, once you start to figure out the rhythm, and I don't think you you're not supposed to know the rhythm until halfway through, right? And that's such a risk in filmmaking. But like uh we start to know without him saying anything when he's lost his memory again. Right. And that feels really hard to do. Yeah. And so part of me is like, I, that that's my main reason for wanting to see it in chronological order, because I want to see those moments happen, you know, without the in-betweens and things like that, to just be able to see like him just turning it back on. I don't know. Yeah. Like, cause also too, when I super pump the editing, I wonder, did the editing make Guy Pierce better? Yeah. Like, that's why I'm asking that yeah. question to you. Like, do you think the Maybe. editing made made the role he played better? Because he had no influence on that. He's not Ed Norton. He didn't break in right. and do the editing himself. <laughs> no, like, it's like a, I, I would love to see closed circuit, like camera footage of somebody trying to break into the uh, Christopher Nolan editing room and just watch Christopher Nolan zip line down from the ceiling and scissor kick their throat. Yeah, I don't think anybody gets. <laughs> Sorry, to touch you, that. Are you assuming that his Batman movies are autobiographical? Yeah, nature? yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. That's sort yeah, of my vibe sure. I'm getting with him. Um, no, there's there's another element to um, 
Guy Pierce's characterization that I want to talk about. But before we get there, it's time to get to the end middle of our podcast movie, which is, Ooh. of course, shout announcements. What's up? It's me, Sonic. Welcome to Shout Announcements. No. Hey, Sonic, get out of here. No get out of here. Sorry, guys. He ran back in. I didn't know he was coming <laughs> like that. That's embarrassing. Ugh. I don't even know how he got a key to my apartment. Ugh. <laughs> hey, we have something exciting to share, and we've been sharing it for a minute now, and it's Patreon. <laughs> Listen, if you're listening to this podcast and you're going, Dang, that Sonic stuff was really engaging. Man, the way they talk about <laughs> movies is incredible and breathtaking and awe-inspiring. Man, they're super funny, and I'd love to hear them sing and be dumb some more. Well, I have good news for you. We have a patron-only feed on Patreon, especially for our official chunkies, and it includes access to special episodes, special parts of our website. You get to vote in any of our polls twice, and let me tell you, I think that's going to be important pretty soon, just letting you know, and mm. all of that can be yours for the low, low price of three American dollars once a month every month until you die. That's it. That's all we're asking for. And... Jokes aside, as much as we would love for you to do that, we also know that right now there's a lot of other more important things going on around the world. And if you feel like $3 could be better spent elsewhere for a different cause in a different place, we would encourage you to do that if you feel like that $3 is the difference between you being able to give to a worthy cause far more worthy than a podcast, then we yeah. would encourage you to take that $3 elsewhere. If yeah. you have the $3 to spare and you love what we do, we would be honored if you would spend that getting access to our fun stuff. Uh, we usually record this beautiful podcast in the mornings. And with the morning comes coffee. And for some reason today, and I'll tell you, I just, I finally figured out what it is. But for some reason today, with every sip of coffee, I felt as if I was happier. More than just the happiness that the caffeine of coffee gives me, mm, sure. I felt like I knew more. I felt like I began to understand Christopher Nolan more and also began to maybe not like Betty White as much. I don't really know that part yet. But as I took sips, I looked down and I remembered, oh my gosh, this is my two chunks mug that just came in recently. Hold it up to the camera for us. So the, so the listeners I, can see it. <laughs> so yeah. I can see it. This is about so me. So that he can see it. Look, whose face but is it on that? But it was interesting because- me. Because this, like when I would drink from this, I began to sound like other people and forget ah. who I was myself and, and from this face. And then from this face, when I drank from this end, this was when the Betty White stuff happened. It was really weird. And I began <laughs> to know a lot more about Odin. It was strange. Yes, yeah. uh, and then from this one I drank and then I began to just be more excited about most things. <laughs> and... It's it's just honestly fascinating, but I I recommend the same. Go go to our merch. We have more than that. We have our mugs on a mug, which is great. We also have stickers, which seem really popular right now, uh, just in the world. Stickers I'm having a moment. Twenty twenty sticker. Year. I don't know if y'all have heard about these. Have y'all heard of stickers? <laughs> uh, we've got stickers. We've got onesies. We've got masks. Um, it's true. All true. Please go check it out. Great shirts. Go check out our merch. We've got a link in our Instagram bio uh, that will send you directly to that. As well and as so on our website. So keep a look out. As well as on our website. As well as so, on our website. I'm not trying to brag, but it's easy to find. I mean, yeah, get the merch. Speaking of things that are easy to find, but a high, low risk, high reward, I think would be the way I would categorize this, mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. uh, for you to subscribe and rate our podcast. 
Um, our egos are incredibly fragile. And so we really need you to pop on there and tell us we're doing a good job. I'm um, so shatterable. But but seriously, that would that would uh, just be the coolest. <laughs> that would be the, actually been, that would just be the tops, guys. If you, that would just really be. Listen, I know that was bad, and I've been losing a lot of sleep over it. And I find oh, that speaking I, of, I find that I can't sleep very well yes. at all anymore. Um, the perfect transition, and that's because next week we're watching Insomnia. That's true. I have never seen this movie. I have also never oh. seen this movie. Oh, it is the only Christopher Nolan movie besides what is it, Doodlebug? It's the only Christopher Doodlebug. Christopher Nolan. Uh, hang on, Christopher. It's the only Christopher Nolan movie besides Doodlebug that I haven't seen. Do you mean Following? Who's Doodlebug? He what? also has done. There's two others. Yeah. What Doodlebug and Following? Are you? Are you? I feel like um is Ashton here? Can I speak to Ashton? <laughs> no. Honestly, I thought about doing an Ashton impersonation, realized he's basically arsonic. I <laughs> typed in doodlebug in Google, and the first thing that came up was doodlebug Christopher Nolan. How do I yeah. not know about this? It was like a it follows the story of a man anxiously trying to kill a bug-like creature in his apartment. Well, Doge It's three I, minutes is, long. There's some irony here. Oh, that's but what it is. We okay. Have, we have watched that together. Like you and I watched that last night. I don't know if you remember. Wait, what am I we, doing? We, ha- we, we've watched Doodlebug. Yeah. The three of us have watched it. Too. Okay. Well, I'm podcasting this guy. Oh, <laughs> he's podcasting me. <laughs> Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What am I doing? I'm chasing this guy? Oh no, I'm podcasting because we're back to the it show. May be my short, it may be my short-term memory, but I feel like I've just sort of engaged with that quote. Mentally, you did so. I, it's my fault for not telling you how I was planning on transitioning back to the show, but you did take my plan. But I just liked it too much, you know. The best part is that those are just going to be right next to each other. In our episode. <laughs> Carter, know. do you want to take a crack at that line? Just yeah, Carter, I'd all. love if you could get. I us would one. love it if we all. Yeah, said for it. sure. What am I doing right now? Oh, I'm being podcasted. Wait, no, I'm podcasting. That's good. Yeah, cool. That's very good. So we ready to rate it? Uh-huh. Sort of three different, uh, <laughs> sort of three different I mean, takes. You know, it's really great. We're just that's what this we're just three friends about quoting Memento. You know <laughs> how it goes. I want to talk about uh, voiceover used as narration, like of a character. I think that's that, very Nolan. I, th- I and I think that it's delicate. I think that it can be bad very easily. Um, I think that it can. Um, be a crutch to tell not show a lot of times. Um, but when it's used in the way that like 
because the strength of reading is that typically we get to hear the inner thoughts of the characters as we're reading yeah. from their perspective. Movies, you lose some of that. When it's used in that way and sort of just peppered in to make sure that we're keeping up with what's going on inside of a character, I think it can be really good. This is an example of really good to me. Yeah. Uh, my super dump is, and, and it, it actually was fueled by reading a little bit about the making of this movie, but Guy Pierce, it's equal, it's polarizing. It's equal parts impressive and uh, makes sense as to why it wasn't my favorite. But he he does improv most of his narrations, especially uh, we actually, I mean, we get almost all of that in the black and white scenes, um, that it was him just kind of taking shots at certain things. Obviously, some of that is scripted, but I think uh, at times it was hard to understand and again, it's funny to super bu- super dump a Chris Nolan movie and say something was hard to understand. Um, <laughs> but like it was, uh, it felt inconsistent to me. It felt like completely different days of like recording it. I feel like some of them hit and some of them were actually a big miss. And it's it's tough to put my finger on, I think the very first ones. And it could be that we're in the in the haze of not knowing what's going on. Sure. And maybe because our mind does not yet have any kind of concept of the environment, it's harder for us to understand anything. But it felt like early on, uh, some lines were just lost because it felt kind of mumbly to me. Yeah. Um, And early on, it felt like maybe that's when it would be super important for you to refer back to something and thus make it more impressive. Sure. But like... I think I think it didn't hit for me. And it, and Jordan, you bring up a good point. This is something that Nolan does. Like he'll have the narrations. Most often it's it's an old British actor yeah. uh, <laughs> that's doing the narration of some kind. Fairly um, Didn't he just find the best voices though? Nolan Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine. Like what yeah. else do you need? Um but yeah, it it was that is my super dump. Um and honestly, it's also my super dump because I don't see anywhere else to put it uh personally. So yeah, I think yeah. that's valid. I think it's my super dump because it's one of the only things in this movie that is not consistently good. Yeah, my, I think it. I, I mean, I think I think I think I see that. This is probably you know, and this is this idea is not road tested, mother approved. It's something <laughs> I'm just thinking of right now. Uh, I think it's probably the weakest of his voiceover narrations, though, because this tends to be a thing that happens with Nolan movies that will end them. Uh, I think probably the example that everyone is most intimately familiar with is Gordon's speech at the end of The Dark Knight. Right. Right, where he's giving that speech and we're cross-cutting between different actions. Uh, even at the end of The Dark Knight Rises, we're cross-cutting between uh, between Joseph Gordon-Levitt finding the Batcave, between them destroying the Bat Signal, between Alfred recognizing Bruce and Selina in the cafe. Like, sure, Nolan yeah. does this a ton where he cross-cuts between action while a narration is happening, building to a climax. Is and it, this, is it this different, narration, though? Well, that's what I'm saying. I think this is similar and it's it's tough because we're also viewing this out of order right, right we know right. the ending and so we're looking at the beginning uh and so this is probably to me i can see how this element grew into that that type of stylistic choice that he tends to make in his movies because we get that a lot yeah uh, and i don't think that's just a batman thing even though the two examples i've given are batman movies um but we do have those kinds of voiceovers that are cross-cutting between action and voiceovers used to build to a climax and i think this is probably the seed that that grew from. Yeah. I, I, the thing that strikes me as so different though about this is in a lot of the examples we're mentioning, the person's voice we're hearing is speaking out loud to someone right? as we're cutting away. And here it is strictly narration of somebody's inner thoughts. 
And I'm I'm right. I'm yeah. wondering if if that's why it doesn't sit as well, Carter, for you, that it it's hard to, you know, when when Gary Oldman gives a speech, you know, it's going to be good because Gary Oldman's given a speech. When Michael Caine is just talking to somebody, telling a story, and we're just watching the story happen. Playing with a ruby. Right. But when it's when it's kind of narrating what we're seeing from the perspective of the person doing it, maybe it feels like it's hard to like line up vibe with visual, if that makes sense. You also don't have Zimmer. Oh, hey, that's <laughs> which true. Is, hey, 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 which hey. is present in all the other things. Yeah. So, well, we're coming dangerously close to my super dump and my super dump is very heavily influenced by the fact that we're viewing this out of order. And that I know, I know what like really creative sound design and music does for a story like this. Hmm. Uh, like thinking of Interstellar to borrow on something that I'm sure I'm going to pump in a few weeks. Like the use of that cathedral organ to make it feel otherworldly in the soundtrack. Uh, yeah. Inception, the use of that slowed down French song. Like I feel like the music in this is just not very creative. Like it's pretty, like feels pretty like paint by numbers. Like this is how you score a thriller in 2000, you know? And it's like, I, 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 this feels like the perfect opportunity to play with like, Hey, we're going to include some reversed sounds in the soundtrack. Like to me, that's low hanging fruit that it's like, Oh, why didn't we do that? But my super dump I think is, is the fact that this is the soundtrack of a what? $4 million, $9 million movie. And I just think that it could have been a little more creative. I can agree with that. Yeah, I think I hear that. It's it's a it's the soundtrack that belongs to a a nine million dollar movie, but it's a movie that should have had a hundred million dollar budget. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the movie the movie has outpaced its preparation as time has and gone this, on. You know, this is our same composer that we will have for Insomnia and Prestige, and so I think it's after Prestige. Um, well, the Prestige soundtrack rules. Right. And so it's interesting. And and so it's also you're getting, and again, those happen two and six years after this movie. And so, um, and again, I'm sure it's not easy to uh, do a soundtrack to a movie like this, but then I don't know the way, the way Doge describes it makes it feel like there were some obvious things that might've been missed. Um, but yeah, this guy has consistently done. So David Julian has done a lot of the, the majority of what he does are horror type movies or like thriller and so when you look, if we were to play extra credit with him, which would be cruel, um, <laughs> we have Insomnia and Procedure up there, but Cabin in the Woods is probably what he's best That's known That's a great for. movie. And The Descent. Uh, and so he does. And it's not to say that Insomnia is not a horror movie. I know y'all haven't seen that yet, but it's, it is a, uh, it, they're all thrillers. So this guy lends himself to that yeah. kind of vibe for sure. Yeah. I want to, I, I want to spend a couple minutes talking about my super dump and now feels like as good a time as any to bring it up before we sort of talk about this movie's bows and sort of the endings and the way that it works. But I, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, so, so my super dump is, um, and this gets a little convoluted, but it is the tattoo and picture note taking system that Leonard has developed. Um, it, there is a lack of consistency with like what belongs on, where and how it is delivered. Yeah. So like it seems to me like anything on his torso should be backwards, but there's only the one sentence that's backwards. So unless somebody's reading it to him or he sits and concentrates, he can't read anything except for the one sentence between his collarbones. Everything else is left to right as normal on his torso. So who are those notes for? 
you yeah. know and it to me if we're gonna flip one let's just flip all of them and have uh, every torso tattoo backwards um you know and then you have things like why put the license plate number of John G on him instead of on the picture? Or, you know, you have, you have these things where it's like, there's just seems to be a lack of consistency between why something gets tattooed and why it gets written on a Polaroid in some cases, when they're people specific, that makes sense. But why wouldn't he write, you know, if, if he wants to really convince himself, why wouldn't he tell himself to go get the tattoo of, you know, Teddy is the one kill him and write that on himself. Why, why a Polaroid instead? Um, and so it just seems like I, I I get a little, the waters get muddied for me as far as like what his logic is between tattoo and Polaroid, what belongs there, what's backwards, where it goes. And I know that eventually it's just like find any blank slate of skin to still get a tattoo on. Um, but there, there's just not a lot of rhyme or reason to why things go where to me. And it seems like it, it, it would have been really cool if everything on his torso was backwards and it was like the left arm was all personal information, the right arm was all, you know, whatever. And I, I know it's supposed to seem um, frenzied maybe, or like he did a lot of it in the moment, just trying to get information down. Um, but I think I just would have liked to yeah. see it, it, with a guy as thoughtful as Christopher Nolan, I would have liked to see some more thought put into that aspect of the movie. Yeah, it does say, and there is a mix of the ones that he's done himself and and the ones that, uh, seem to have been done. Professionally. Yeah, that that bothers me less. I can excuse that more than I can the backwards thing is my biggest sort of issue here. But mm-hmm. uh, among others, one of his other torso ones is meant to be read. It is up. It is technically upside. So down like he can and look backwards. down and read it. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, that one was pretty creative. But yeah, you you the other ones about like the one that went across the chest yeah. uh, felt more of like an aesthetic. Maybe this will be what people remember. I mean that that tattoo. And then the one on his hand are the ones that I bet the most fans have actually tattooed yeah, on themselves. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can see that. I, I think it does get confusing. I, my, mine wasn't as much with the tattoos as uh, perhaps the dump on the Polaroids. Sometimes he would know exactly what pocket would give him the exact information he needed at the exact time. And then sometimes he would pull out several and have to find the right one. That seemed kind of inconsistent yeah, to I, me. Yeah, I actually that agree was like, with that. Yeah. Yeah, this is like, this is my hotel pocket. But now it's like, wait, where did I place that? I can't remember where I placed that. So did he luck out one time? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I wonder if that's intentional. I wonder if like watching yeah. it, we're supposed to think, you know, the first time we're seeing it, like, okay, yeah, he's right. Learning through repetition does work. But every time that we think it works, he's just getting lucky and reaching in the right, right. pocket yeah. by chance. That could be. Uh, while we're talking about tattoos, let's talk about the uh, the quick scene at the very end when he has an extra tattoo laying in bed with his wife. Yes. Yeah, what's that about? The tattoo says I did it, right? Or yeah. I've done it. Yeah, I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. I that just seems like a fun, just like mess with your head Nolan thing. Like yes. I, I yeah. don't know. Same with showing him and Sammy's place in the the psych ward at the hospital. That's great. Yeah. That's yeah. super fight club. Yeah. Like that that was that was good. I thought that was fun to have just the single frame of him in the chair yeah. to start getting all, clues for that. Yeah. Do y'all think uh because there is there is disagreement, and I think it's partially because of his status as an unreliable narrator. Uh, do y'all like who do you believe at the end? But, and do you think do you there? Do you uh, do you believe that his wife had diabetes or didn't have diabetes? Basically, do you believe he killed his wife? Do you believe she survived the assault? Oh yeah, totally. No, I, I, to to me, it seems pretty obvious that he suffered head trauma and his wife survived, and he replaced his sto- like how he yeah. killed his wife was so traumatic that he replaced it with something familiar from before his accident. Yeah, which to me says that he can retain new memories. 
because the the memory of his wife dying was after the accident. T- to me, the question mark is not, is that really what happened? And more, is this a willingness, like, is this a willingness to participate in some of this sure. memory loss? So is, so is his thing, is it mental rather than a physical right. problem, you know? Right. Um, and, and that's, I don't know. That's hard. I want to, I want to have a little fun with something because this feels like the kind of movie you can do this, but um, charades, this is something as, as like people watch and start to, <laughs> as people watch and like start to see something like this happen, you know, it's like a, uh, I can't think of an example of like, maybe, maybe everyone that saw David go out to Goliath and they're like, dude, this is a bad idea. <laughs> Right, they don't know how the story ends, and they're like, "This, you, what are you doing?" I'm going to come up to to Christopher Nolan himself, and I'm going to say, "I feel like there might have been a better way to tell the story of his wife." I'm going to run this by y'all. What if uh, Carrie Ann Moss was his wife? What if what if uh, the twist part of the twist is? Uh, she drove mad. She was driven mad and just began to manipulate him. Like what? It, Cause we see her manipulative character in general yeah. and she does a great job in this movie, but it's like maybe her getting out of this. She was like, here's what I need to do. I need to play a different role because playing his wife has had two attempts at my life and I need to just get out of this. And now the scenario is he's not with me anymore. Cause like, there's so many lines that when the first time I saw this, I, I knew it was going to be her. Like she is actually his wife and she is not dead. I thought it she was. She has yeah. also she has also lost somebody. Made me think she basically lost her husband yeah. when, he, when he lost his memory. Uh and all the things she was like she asks him about his wife all the time. And I'm like maybe that's the part of her that's trying to get him back, right? Like that's the part of her that's trying to say like do you remember anything about her? Like no, no, no. What do you actually remember? And then that that becomes the story of um the the, the guy who he Claims to be James. Uh, what's his name? John G. What's the character that's on his on his on his on his hand? The the one he writes down the, the scenario that he Jenkins. Oh, Sammy yeah. Jenkins. So, yeah. like maybe that's because I started to see parallels of like, oh, Carrie Ann Moss is trying to help Guy Pierce in some form or fashion of how the other person was by just trying to get him into these rhythms. Um, you know, the guy at the bar is laughing because he's seen this dude come in a million times and he knows yeah. that they used to be married. You know, yeah. it's like, it's just wild. So, so, so I, my question is, are you, are you pitching this as a new idea or are you saying this might be the case in this movie currently? I don't think it might be the case in this movie currently. Yeah, I, I, don't. I don't either. That's what I was I asking. Think it's, okay. I think it's a new idea. I think it's when we go back and his memory starts to serve him right a little bit as, te- as Teddy is explaining things mm. that the face that they give us for the sake of narration and to throw us off turns into Carrie Ann Moss's face. Like all the stuff that we saw with the wife becomes Carrie Ann Moss at this point. Like we're going back and it's been her. We get a scene that actually looks like Carrie Moss, Carrie Ann Moss from behind sitting down. So maybe we get a scene to where she turns and it's her face or we never saw this, his wife's face at all. So first of all, first thing, his wife looks so much like Julia Stiles that I checked it like three times. I was like, I was <laughs> it, like a, it does look I was a like, lot like, okay, her. it's not her. And then I kept watching. I was like, did, did I read that wrong? It has to be her. Right. And then I went back and I was like, okay, no. Uh, but the only thing in this movie that keeps me from thinking that could have been a possible like red herring they intentionally put in with her and the way she interacts with them is simply just Teddy had no reason to lie to Lenny in that house. Cause he knew Lenny was going to forget in a few minutes anyway. So Teddy, had right. no reason to not be like, dude, your wife is alive. Like, I don't know what we're doing here. Cause he, unless we're to believe he's not actually a cop, which I think he is. Right. 
like because he knew Lenny was going to forget in a few minutes, Teddy had no reason to not tell him like, dude, what are you talking about? Like your wife is alive. Like I just keep you busy. You're going to go see her later. Her name is Natalie. You know, like that whole thing. If, because that didn't happen, that's really the only thing that makes me say cool idea, but I don't think we're supposed to think that. But if that's not there, I think that that is absolutely something that could have been interpreted from that. Yeah, because now it's not Lenny that crossed out all that stuff in his file folder. Like, it's her. Right. She's done it to right. erase who she actually was and now has a new persona so that she doesn't have to play the role of his wife anymore. Right. It's interesting, man. And it, it, that would seem Nolan-esque. Um, yeah. And here's the thing. Like, I don't even get to talk about that unless the, <laughs> unless Nolan was already creative enough to even put a scenario out there that, that could That's exactly what I was that, about to say right? because it, it feels like you know, Nolan – this series is going to be funny because I, I do have a deep respect for Christopher Nolan. I love pretty much everything he's ever done. But there is a part of me that's like, well, if I could come up with it, he probably wouldn't do it because he probably came up with it in the first draft and was like, well, that's dumb. Because <laughs> <Like, laughs> right. I, I think he's so smart. Um but yeah, so that is pretty much Memento. And what I would love to do now is rate this movie using science. scale backwards. Do you think you can say the scale backwards? Let me try. We're going to rate this movie using science, the scientific cinema scale, but this time backwards in honor of Memento. And here's how that would go. It would sound a little something like this. The worst thing we could ever say about a movie is God hath forsaken us. And and then also is forget it. And then better than that is stream it. And even better than that one is rent it. And the second best thing we could ever say about a movie is buy it. And lastly, and not least, and the best, the best thing we could ever say about a movie is own it, don't Don't lend it. it. Buy that poster. I started to like say the whole part of that with you. Me too. <laughs> Man, that threw me off big time. Yeah, I did that not totally like threw me that. Off. Good job, Jordan. That yeah, was great. I'll you. go first. Uh, it is a buy from me. Okay. Um, and man, I don't know what the influences are here. It is a like what's keeping me from buying the poster. It is an important film. Yeah. And I hold those in such it's high in the regard, national especially film when registry. You saw that. Right? It is in the national film registry. Yes. Uh, like a super. Uh, super important in filmmaking. Um, it it did for editing what Smeagol has done for uh, cap motion capture. Like it feels <laughs> like it's it's like yeah. you know it's 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 so freaking fun. And it's it's not a buy the poster for me. Um, so Memento on IMDb's top two fifty, which is not a be all end all ranking of the best movies ever made. Memento is number fifty five on the top two fifty, but Nolan has four movies ranked higher than that. Uh, and so, uh, maybe it is the unfair thing of like comparing this to how I feel about Nolan's other movies. Um, maybe it's just because I feel like out of anyone in this group, I buy the poster too much. (laughs) Is this just a personal problem for me? Um, but I'll tell you, it is not, um, it is not incredibly enjoyable and it's not supposed to be right. And I don't just like feel good movies aren't ranked higher for me. Right. It's just not, I don't know why it's not a complete buy the poster because it is, there is so much good about it, but it is just a buy it for me. I'm going to buy this one as well. Um, I really want to watch it again. This was my first time to see it and I loved it so much. I want to watch it again as soon as possible. 
Yeah. It is a unique form of rewatchability, right? Totally. It's a yeah, different totally. movie the second time. Um, so this is, I thought, I thought I was leaning one way. I'm now leaning the other. Um, I'm renting this movie. I love this movie. I think this is a great movie. I'm renting this movie on the grounds that I know how much better he can be, Christopher Nolan. And um, just thinking about what's ahead in our list, thinking about this accidentally being too close to some things that I can pretty much guarantee I'm going to poster, I got to put some distance there. I got to have a middle ground for Nolan. <laughs> so I'm, I'm renting this movie. Um, uh, it's still great. I love it. But yeah, this is a, this is a rent for me pretty easy. Um, and don't forget next week we will be talking about insomnia, Christopher Nolan's second movie in our series, uh, Nolan insert blomp sound. And, uh, to end today's episode, what I'd like for us to do is say our name and say what tattoo we would get on our chest to be our first reminder of the day. If we had lost our memories <laughs> for two chunks and a hunk, I'm Jordan wonders. And my tattoo would probably say, Hey man, there's like 11 guitar picks in the dryer right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm Doge, and I would I would want to make sure it's printed backwards uh, so I could read it in the mirror, but it'd be one of those one of those lip tattoos. I'm holding my <laughs> lip down, so you know. It'd be one of those lip tattoos, and it would just say, brush what? these, <laughs> because my mouth stinks so bad first thing in the morning. Is that the whole <laughs> sentence? Sorry, does it just say brush these, or does it say brush these because my mouth stinks so bad first thing in the morning? It says brush these, period. And then if I look up, printed under my chin, it's like, dude, seriously brush them. Your mouth stinks so bad right now. <laughs> I love how much thought you're putting into this, Carter. This is your one shot. It's got to be good. Do not miss your chance to <laughs> blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. You better lose yourself. Um, I'm Carter, and mine would say, you probably ate something spicy. I think that <laughs> I've needed that reminder before because it's like, Wait, but why does my poop hurt so yeah, bad? That's right valid. Um, and I can't imagine a world where not knowing, like, if I can't put, I don't want to say a finger on it. If I, <laughs> if I can't know why it's spicy, like why it's hurting, then that's scary. Like, I think there's more things wrong with me. But if I just knew you ate something spicy, yeah. which is like every day, no. um, then that would make me feel a little less worried about my health. Hey, Carter, I think it would make us all a little less worried about your health Carter mm -hmm. our friend we love you buddy you're gonna be okay we're all rooting for you Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. 
Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.